You know what, today we finish up our miracle series. It's already been incredible. Pastor Chuck has done such a good job. I don't know about you guys, but it really has been encouraging to hear these stories. But today, Pastor Chuck saved the best for last. It's going to be incredible. He's going to tell us today about the best miracle, the greatest miracle of all of them today. It's going to be so powerful. So right now, whether you're watching online, in person, on the patio, join me in welcoming up our senior pastor, Chuck Bohr. It is so good uh, that we get to be together. And now we come to a point in our miracle series where we come to the greatest miracle of all. On more than one occasion, Jesus clearly told that he would be betrayed, that he would suffer, that he would die, and that he would rise again. It is intriguing to know when you read the book of Luke, which was written by a medical doctor who thoroughly investigated Jesus, his life, the fact that he did die on the cross, the fact he did rise again from the dead. And based on all that evidence and looking at the life of Jesus, Luke isolates the must, M-U-S-T, the must Jesus lived by, the must why Jesus died, the must why he had to rise from the dead. And Luke uh, shows us starting in chapter 9, that must drove Jesus to be in the city of Jerusalem on that day, so that everything he talked about would take place. In Luke 9, 22, it says this, Jesus was talking and said, the Son of Man must, and key in on that word must, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. This isn't the only time he said it. He said it over and over again. And then on the Thursday before Good Friday, it all was happening. And it was horrible. It was horrible. He was at the height of his esteemed popularity, and now he had been arrested. He was being beaten. He was being tortured. And then he was hung on a cross, which is the worst and most painful way a person could ever die. And in the midst of being on the cross and being in agony... God the Father put all of our sins on Jesus at once. More painful than the cross was the stress that would cause. And again, Luke, a medical doctor, tells us that it was so stressful and so painful that Jesus' heart physically tore from the stress of it. And then he would die. And this would rock our world, the seen and the unseen. And in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, it said, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they entered the city and appeared to many. Now the centurion, the centurion standing by the cross, and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, truly, this is the Son of God. Now, I don't want you to miss what happened. People who had been a part of putting him to death stood there in that moment, and they realized this could be no ordinary man if all these things happened when he died. The seen world and the unseen world all began to show signs that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. 
And he's doing everything he said he would do. Across the valley from where he died, not far away, was this huge temple that stood there. And inside of it was a huge veiled curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. No man except the high priest once a year was to enter the Holy of Holies. It was where the Ark of the Covenant was and and symbolized the very presence of God. And yet in the moment Jesus died, they stood and watched and the veil, this big, huge curtain tore from top to bottom. Could you imagine watching that? And then they turned around and here are dead people who have risen, some of the most famous saints of all, Samuel and Elisha. And, and, and maybe David, and they're standing there talking about how real Jesus is. So people are seeing the dead risen. See, people are seeing veils torn. Earthquakes are happening. And then it says rocks split in two. They just came apart. Now, you would expect that that's what would happen if someone who was truly the Son of God lived and died on this earth. And not just one, but thousands of people saw it occurring. And this Roman centurion said, he's the son of God. He's the son of God. But the greatest miracle hadn't happened yet. There was a prophecy that the Messiah would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, by the way, was very wealthy. He was a very rich man. And he went to Pontius Pilate, the governor of Rome, who was sent there from Rome. And he said, can I have the body of Jesus? And Pontius Pilate agreed. And he allowed... Joseph, and he allowed another man named Nicodemus, who was a priest and a Pharisee, to take the body of Jesus and bury it. They wrapped him in burial cloth. They covered it in spices. By the way, you need to know this part, that even if Jesus were still alive, that alone would suffocate him. No one could survive that. And he would be put into a tomb for three days. And then... And then the Pharisees realized what was going on. The Pharisees knew that on more than one occasion, Jesus had stated what I earlier told you, that he would rise again on the third day. So they they go to Pontius Pilate and they say, this is what he said. He said he's going to rise on the third day. We need to guard the tomb. So soldiers were put on guard in front of the tomb. A Roman seal was put on the tomb. And to break the seal would cause anybody to suffer the penalty of death. So the tomb is guarded so no one can take the body. And Jesus is left there for three days in that tomb. And then it became a Sunday morning. And the morning started with a severe earthquake that shook Jerusalem. And then an angel of the Lord ascended and and was visible for everybody to see. And he rolled away the stone that was in front of the tomb and sat on it. And we're told that the soldiers were so afraid that they were paralyzed with fear, laying on the ground, unable to move. And there Mary Magdalene, one of the followers of Jesus, along with two other women, come up to the tomb. And the angel calls out to them, and now another angel appears. And I love what the angel said. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you do that? He said, he's not here, he's risen. They said, come and see where he was lying. And they step in and they see the burial clothes, but no body. By the way, that's a miracle in and of itself. But the miracle, that miracle, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the greatest miracle of all happened. And I love what we're told about the women. We're told the women were gripped with astonishment 
and filled with great joy. By the way, anybody who understands who Jesus is, you're about to live a life that you're gripped with astonishment and filled with great joy. That's what the miracle of the resurrection does. That's what he calls us to. Yeah, praise God for that. And then Jesus would go on over a 40-day period to appear to over 500 people, all of whom would testify they saw him risen on different occasions. Now, don't miss this. Not one ever recanted. Not one ever said it was not true. Not one. Even when they were arrested, even sometimes when they were tortured, not one person would say it didn't happen. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds saw his body. And it's interesting that it says this in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 47. And it says, And Jesus said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. He's already risen from the dead. He said, These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In other words, what Jesus did, the life he lived, the way he died, the fact he rose again from the dead, had been prophesied for thousands of years because it was all a part of a plan from God so that you and I could come to know God's love and be forgiven of our sin. It says in verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again, uh, again from the dead on the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. By the way, the word nations is all ethnic groups. Jesus died for every single person on planet Earth. No matter when they lived, no matter where they'll live. Uh, and he wants us to come to know something called repentance. And if you're brand new, uh, you may not understand what the word repentance means. Uh, very often we hear the word repent and we, we think I'm supposed to walk out as a, a, a raving lunatic preacher, which I sometimes am. And scream, repent, repent, like there's something wrong with you. Repentance is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. Do you know what it means? You can change. Does that sound bad? No. You may have messed up bad, but you can change. You may be in an addictive state, but you can change. You may be so depressed you can't stand it, but you can change. You may feel lonely, but you can change. You may have a marriage that is hell on earth, not heaven on earth. It can change. See, I want to tell you, Jesus died on the cross so you and I could change. And that's what he calls out to. So you would live that life filled with, with joy and gripped with great astonishment. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. And that message has gone out and billions of people believe it. Billions of people have committed so much to Jesus, their lives hinge on the fact that he was risen from the dead, the resurrection took place. See, thousands of years after Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that message made it all the way to Corona, California. And I was a high school student, brand new high school student at Corona High. We had just moved here from Texas. And uh, I, because my dad was in the Air Force, I was used to starting new schools, and yet there was something different about Corona High. I was making friends faster. Uh, I was meeting girls more quickly, which I loved. <laughs> I started partying. I was getting high. I was having fun. 
And if you had asked, man, is your life horrible? I would have said, no, I'm living the life that every guy that age would want to live pretty much, right? And then these Christian guys got me to go to a Christian retreat put on by Crossroads Christian Church. And I'll never forget, sitting in a mountain cabin, they began to pray, and I became aware of the presence of God in a way that I could not explain other than it was real. And I knew I didn't know God. And now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, no one had to say a word to me, I knew the sin I was committing. You don't get in the presence of a holy God and not be aware of your sin. But I didn't feel condemned. I felt lost. I felt like something was missing. I felt like, why why can't I have what they have? And then it all changed. I came to know the Lord and everything else in my life paled in comparison. All I wanted to live for was Jesus. All I wanted to do was get closer to him. And I began to discover not just life, I began to discover the life I was meant for. So many people, this may be some of you, you're living a life you were never meant for. That's why you you wonder, why isn't there something more? That's why you have that tinge feeling something's wrong, something's off. You know why? Because you're not You're not living the life Jesus meant for you. He died on the cross for you. He loves you. He rose again for you. And you, you are somebody he cares about. And when you come to know the Lord, your whole life hinges on this miracle of the resurrection. When we use the word hinge, I want to show you what it is. It may seem so simple, but these are hinges, right? When you have a door, you need good hinges. If you have bad hinges, what do you have? You have a door that won't work. And you know what? So many of us in life are are not having our life hinging on the right thing. So our lives rock. Our lives teeter. Our lives are off. But when your life is hinged on the resurrection, you're ready to open the door into an incredible promise that the Lord has for you. A life that's incredible, a life that's new. Jesus said these words. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone don't open up to me, I would come in to be with him. And I would share life with him. And Jesus would start showing you things. Why? Because he's not dead. Why? Because he's not just some figure in history. He is the son of God, as the centurion said. He is the risen one. Yeah. And there's so much more waiting for you when you're ready to enter in to this life with him. You see, the resurrection is the greatest miracle that's ever occurred. The the resurrection is something you can stake your life on, your life can hinge on. And so I want to give you three things that the resurrection does for us. Three reasons it's such great importance. Number one, uh, for anybody who's a believer, our faith hinges on it. Our faith hinges on it. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul the apostle wrote these words. He said, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel. The word gospel means the good news. The gospel which I preached to you, which was also you received, in which also you stand by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, look look at these words. 
He said, I delivered to you of first importance. The Bible says the resurrection is of first importance. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You know what Paul said? He goes, it is of first importance. Nothing matters more in life than that, because because of that, everything that matters will take place in your life. And without the miracle of the resurrection, our faith would be worthless. Later on in that very same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, it says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Now, here's the thing you need to know. He was raised. Now, are you ready for this? Not one of his enemies ever claimed his body was in the grave. All they had to do to stop this movement that many of them hated called Christianity was produce the body. By the way, all they had to do is go to Pilate and say, can we bring the body back out? The Romans were not against displaying dead bodies. They did that all the time. Why didn't they just produce the body? Because it wasn't there. So they tried every other way to get around it. But it had been guarded by soldiers. It had a seal of Rome on it. All they had to do, but they couldn't. Why? Because he did rise from the dead. It did happen. It did take place. And what you and I need to know is that the fact he did that not only meant that he conquered death, Jesus conquered death so you and I would never truly die. And he conquered death for most of us. Get ready for this. Most of you care about yourself, but I think more of you care about somebody else. And that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, And after his suffering, Jesus showed himself to these men, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. By the way, again, this was written by a medical doctor. This is written by one who was trained in the art of science. And he said there were many convincing proofs, many convincing proofs. Uh, The word convincing proofs in the Greek in the New Testament was written in Greek. means strong, infallible, irrefutable. Strong, infallible, real irrefutable truths. Uh, Again, a, a scientist wrote that, a man of science. It's interesting that has been put to the test more than once. Uh, Lee Strobel, who kicked off our Miracle series, was an award-winning journalist for the Chicago Tribune. He was an atheist who put this to the test. And he said the resurrection alone convinced him atheism wouldn't work because Jesus lived and Jesus rose again. In a book where he wrote about that, he quotes Sir Lionel Lucku, who was actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for being the most successful attorney who's ever practiced law. He uh, actually set a record by having an astounding 245 murder acquittals. This guy was an attorney of attorney, a lawyer of lawyers. And here's what he said. After he investigated the resurrection, he said, I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming, it compels acceptance by proof that leaves absolutely no room for doubt. You see, you might say, well, I don't know, I doubt it. But here's the question. I bet you haven't looked at the evidence. Because the evidence is in. The evidence is real. The evidence has stood the test of time. Jesus Christ lived, died, 
and rose again from the dead. So what do you say about that? He could not have been an ordinary man. He must have been who he claimed. We had a a while back J. Warner Wallace here. Uh, J. Warner Wallace is uh, actually one of the most famous cold case detectives that have ever, ever investigated cold cases. Uh, And and J. Warner Wallace uh, decided, he was an atheist, and he decided what he would do is put to test Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, and see if that would hold up in court with enough evidence to show beyond a shadow of a doubt it happened or that it wasn't true. And by the way, his plan was to be able to say it wasn't true. But the more he investigated it, he realized I could take this case to any court of law and everybody would have to say Jesus rose from the dead. And he became a Christian through it. Now, What you need to know is not everybody has come to that conclusion, but I want to say this, not only millions have, are you ready? Right now on planet earth, there are 2.6 billion people who believe this. There are billions who have already died and, and, and gone to heaven. So what we know is that our faith hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We also know this, if you're a believer, this is good news, our life hinges on it. Our life hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember the idea that the women began to understand that Jesus rose from the dead, so they were gripped with astonishment and filled with great joy. And that becomes the predominant way of living when you know Jesus, when you know the power of the resurrection. You end up having a life greater and more meaningful than you could ever imagine. And in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it talks about what life is supposed to be life like when we know him. And it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, that is what the scriptures mean. In other words, what does the whole Bible tell you? If you were to bring all the Bible down to one statement, one summary statement, here's what it is. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. See, what I'm trying to say is when your life hinges on the resurrection... You're at a place where you can open a door to a door of promise, to a door where you begin to experience life beyond description and beyond imagination. And and by the way, I want to tell you, it's not based on you being perfect. It's not based on you being so religious that you make it happen. It's based on a God who loves you, a God who cares about you. I always like to say, while God is our father, I feel like in our culture, it's a better description that God is like our grandfather. You know why? Because uh, in all of Crossroads family knows this. I have five grandchildren I love with all my heart. And I would do anything for them. I, I told both my sons, if you were holding one of them in your arms and a bus was coming down the road and I could only save one of you, then you better know Jesus because I'm saving them. <laughs> right? My one son said, if I'm standing in front of a bus with the kid, I deserve it. My uh, three of my grandchildren are going to be out in a couple weeks. You know what I'm doing? I'm already buying things and preparing things so when they get here, they're going to have the time of their life. They're going to have time with Papa and Grammy that is beyond description and beyond imagination. They've asked for certain things and they're going to get all the things they asked for. (laughs) But what else did I do? I've got things they don't even know are coming. Now, now, why would I do that? Because I'm their papa. 
When you're their papa, you have one goal in life, to love them so much, to pour so much joy in their life that their parents can't compare to you. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting that the word in English, papa, would be equivalent to a word in Aramaic, Abba, and Jesus said, I want you to know God as your Abba or Papa Father. In other words, not as something distant out there, not like a grandparent you never met or never know, like a father who loves you as a dad. And and the resurrection now brings you into this life that is beyond description and beyond imagination so you can open up to that door of promise. You can begin to experience it. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him, to God who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. That's what it says. It says that God wants you to experience a life that is beyond description, beyond imagination, greater than you could ever imagine. You see, here's the thing I want you to know. It's it's almost like your life is on a timeline. So imagine that this is your life, and this is when you were born, and this is when you began to grow up, and and then you get over here. And God's plan is this is where you're going to open up your heart to him. And the Bible teaches God has a plan for your life. So what's going to come here, and what's going to come there, and what's going to come here? Well, it all depends. It all hinges on what you do about Jesus in this moment. You see, God's not saying it's going to be easy, but God's saying it's going to be beyond description and beyond imagination. So in other words, there are incredible blessings out here God has for you. But if you don't say yes, if you don't say yes to the Lord, then your life won't hinge on that. And you're not going to get any of these things that are for you. You won't get any of them. So there are all these blessings out here, all these incredible joys, all these amazing victories. And then, we all, let's get really super honest, there's also a lot of pain and hurt. But all of us who know Jesus will tell you, as credible as it is to experience the joy, it matters more in the midst of the pain. Would everybody agree? And when you're going to hit that time of challenge, that moment of testing, and you don't have that decision that you made to trust in him, to commit to him, you're not going to have what you need. You're not going to have what God has for you. You're not going to experience him coming next to you, him strengthening you, him showing you the the way through and the way out. None of that will be yours. And you know what? The Lord says, I want you to know this. See, Jesus died on the cross, remember, so we would have repentance of sin. Sin is all those bad things, all those wrong things, all those not good things in your life. And it says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned, but we all have God loving us and caring for us, and it's all available to us if we would call out to him. In 1 Peter Peter wrote this. He said, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. In other words, he wants you to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So what is the Lord saying? The Lord is saying, you know what? I have 
because of the resurrection of Christ, an inheritance for you, a blessing for you, a life for you that is, is reserved for you. And your life needs to experience that or else you'll miss out on it. So our life hinges on it. Our life hinges on the resurrection of Christ. The next thing is our hope hinges on it. Our hope hinges on it. I don't know if this is going to become as relatable as I know it needs to be. But as a pastor, one of the things we do very, very often is go to be with people when they've lost somebody to death. It could be in a hospital. It could be in their home. I've actually been on the scene in a traffic accident where it's occurred or, or some other events happened and I was right there with people and they've lost somebody they love. And I have been around people who have no hope. They think that we, we live, we die, and there's nothing. We just turn to ash or dust. That is so hopeless, by the way, and not true. Just think about who you are, the complexity of your creation. Do you think God would create you to turn to nothing but dust? No, he has so much more. There's an eternity out there. There's the unseen. But when I sit with someone who has hope, maybe a little hope, maybe only some hope, and we can start talking about the idea that this world is not all there is. Why can I say that? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Our hope hinges on it, on the resurrection. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, it says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. So what I'm about to read to you happened to my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather. And also to two children that Pam and I have, but have never really got to see. What happened to them? Where are they now? It says in verse 14, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, because we believe he died and the resurrection happened, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. When I get to heaven, I can't wait to see Jesus. And I, I, I know that. But I also can't wait to see my dad. Uh, there's been some times just recently where I thought, Dad, I wish you were here to see this. I wish you were here so I could talk to you about it. But the Lord let me know, you're going to see your dad again. He loved Jesus. My mom. My mom lived an amazing life. I can't wait to see her again. My grandparents taught me what it is to be a grandparent. I can't wait to see them again. And I believe with all my heart I'm going to stand in heaven and I'm going to look at someone. I'm going to say, are you? And they're going to say, yeah, you're my dad. Pam had a miscarriage. We never got to see that baby. And I think I'm going to go, wow. Sadly, Pam had an abortion also, which we've repented of, the sin of that. And I think I'm going to see that baby as a, in heaven. And they say, are you? And I think that I could go, I'm so sorry. And I bet, I bet you, because of the grace of God, my child's going to say to me, you're forgiven. 
Because that's what heaven's about, is forgiveness. That's what heaven's about, is love. And I have hope, but my hope doesn't hinge on fantasy. My hope hinges on the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And everything that matters in life comes down to that. You know, uh, Jesus had died on the cross. He had risen from the dead. Uh, He appeared to over 500 people. And then, then what happened is he he ascended into heaven. And he told all the Christians, you go out and tell people about this. And while you can't see me, I'm still going to be with you. And, And so Peter and all the apostles are in a particular place. Wondering, how do we do this? What are we going to do? What, what's our next step? And the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them. And it came with a violent rushing of a wind. So loud that people all around could hear it. And huge crowds began to gather around this area where the sound was coming from. And, and Peter walks out and he begins to preach and tell, tell them, Jesus was who we said he was. He was the Son of God. He did live. live. He did fulfill the Scripture. He did die. And and guess what? You killed him. That was an astounding thing to hear. This is the son of God and you killed him. And they said, his body's not there. And everyone knew it. And so someone yelled out or more than one yelled out, what do we do? What do we do? And in Acts 2 verse 38, Peter said, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call to himself. Peter said, you know what? You couldn't have done anything more horrible than you did, but you still couldn't be more loved than you are. So what do you do? Repent. Know that he will help you change. You can change. Commit your life to him and change and be baptized. Now, why would he bring up baptism? Baptism, according to Jesus, according to the Bible, is where you align yourself and come into contact with the very resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, We have these baptistries here and then one back there. No matter which one you get in, the word baptized means to dip, submerge, or plunge. But the Bible teaches that when you're under the water, you're buried with Christ, just like Jesus died and went into the tomb. You're picturing the fact that you're buried with the Lord, and the old you now is going to be dead and gone. And when you break forth out of the water, it's a picture of a new birth being born again, and that you are resurrecting to be a new you, just like Jesus resurrected from the dead. You're identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ in a way that is a ceremony, but a ceremony that changes you. See, not all ceremonies are just, you know, something you do. Some have power. This has power. And the idea of going under that water and coming up means the old me is gone and the new me is here. It means I'm ready for my life to hinge on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm ready to identify with him and do that. And what Peter said, that's what you need to do. Do you want to know what to do to get this right? Do you want to know what to do to open up to what God has for you? You repent, which means you commit your life to the Lord and know that he'll help you change. And then you come and get baptized. And, and 3,000 people that day went into the waters of baptism 
going under and coming up. By the way, every single one of them in their clothes. They didn't take a class. They didn't go, you know, set in a, another time. They all said, that's it, I'm coming. And they walked into that water and went under and they died to their old self and came up to their new self. Some of you today, you need to know Jesus's love in such a real way, a vivid way, that right now, you know what I'm gonna ask you to do? I'm gonna ask you to come and be baptized. I want you to pray a prayer with me and just say, I want to commit my life to you. I want your love. And you can begin to know his love. You can begin to know what he has for you. And then after that, I'm going to ask us to stand and sing. And if you pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to make your way and come. And people would love to let you out or come from the patio and just come down and get into this pool or one of those pools, or you can go through those doors and go to the pool back there. And, and we, we're going to baptize you. And you might say, but wait, wait, am I closed? And I'm, yeah, just come and do it. Come and say it's that important. It matters that much. And you might say, but I don't have a towel. And I, I love to tell everybody this. We're prepared for you. We have towels. You might say, but what if I'm wearing a white shirt that could be seen through? Well, we have shirts for you. You might say, but what about my valuables? Well, we have a baggie for your valuables to make sure they're okay. And what about your car? What about your car? Well, we have a, a plastic bag to put that on your car. So that's covered too. I always like to say this, but the way some of you drive, don't use this. Just get baptistry on it. You want to <laughs> drive a little better. The most important thing is not what we've done. It's what Jesus did. And he wants you to have a faith that hinges on his resurrection. And you go under and come up saying that's what I want to do. He wants you to have a life that hinges on it, and it's where you enter the door of promise. He wants you to have a hope that hinges on it. And uh, maybe one day if you go to heaven before me, I'll stand at your, your celebration service of a life that was amazing. And I'll say, yeah, do you remember in September this person, you, they got baptized into Christ. And they're in heaven right now. You can know that for sure. You can know that for sure. And by the way, I don't want to have you miss this. Maybe some of you know the Lord and it's your time to come back. Maybe some of you, this is your moment. And, and you might say, but I've done these horrible things. And the Lord, the Lord wants you to know there's nothing you could ever do he would not forgive. No cause his love for you would ever cease. So come. So what I'm going to do right now is have you just pause for a moment. Is the Lord calling any of you to come? Is this your moment? Because we've been praying for months for this to happen. For you. We're a church that cares that much about you because we serve a God who could not love you more. Is God calling you right now? Is this your moment? Lord, I pray right now for anybody. This is their time to come. I pray they can sense it. I pray for someone who just showed up today and didn't even have any idea that this would be a day they would open their heart to you like this and they're going to. I pray they're going to come. I pray for someone who's here today, Lord, and they, they're hurting inside. Is that you? Are, you? are you ready for what he has? Ready for that healing touch, that new life? Is God calling you? 
If the Lord's calling you, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. Just pray that prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. I want to give my life to you. I want to be yours. I want to be yours. So take me now and make me yours. And if you pray that prayer, when we stand to sing, I'm going to ask you to come. If you pray that prayer, right now, are you ready? If you want to grab somebody's hand and say, come with me, you can. Are you ready? So, Lord, I pray for people right now that this is their time. This is their moment. They're about to experience faith and life and hope that now becomes very, very real. But most of all, your love. May they live and experience astonishment and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's praise God for all those that came today to have this moment. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And by the way, for all of you who are watching online, if you want to be baptized, we'd love to share in that experience with you. Go to crossroadschurch.family, and there's a link right there, and we want to interact with you and make it special. We'd love to get a picture, a video of your baptism, and we'd love to be able to celebrate wherever you are, whenever this happens. Uh, we, and by the way, would we all be excited for anybody who gets baptized online? Yeah. But as you go today, may you go knowing Jesus loved you so much that he not only died on the cross for your sins, but he wants you to live a life where you're gripped with astonishment and filled with great joy. God bless you and have a great day. Wow, praise God. And if you're watching online right now and you did get baptized, we'd love to hear about that. Or if you're watching online and you couldn't get baptized, but you felt like God was calling you to do that, Right now, you still have time to make it for our next service right here. We'd love to baptize you. Come on and join us. Even if you missed some of the message, just be here. And we'd love to baptize you right here at Crossroads. That's such a powerful decision and something we don't want to miss out on. That's right. And if you're watching still and you made that decision to follow Jesus already and you haven't let us know, we would love to come alongside you on this journey. All you have to do is text AMEN to 77247 or you can head to crossroadschurch.family now. That's right. If this message resonated with you, Pastor Chuck did a great message. And if you felt like, wow, this was really good, or if you have a prayer for something, put it in the comments. We interact with every single comment that comes through there. Our team would love to connect with you about that. So let us know what you're thinking and what you might need from us. Right. And if this added value to your life and you don't want to miss out on upcoming messages from us, then you can hit that subscribe button and make sure to ring the bell so that you don't miss out on those notifications as well as we go live with new services. That's right. Thank you once again for joining us here at Crossroads today. We hope to see you in the future again. Go have a good week and remember that God is with you.